1 Samuel chapter 17, we're continuing this study and this, this scene here, David and Goliath. We saw and we rehearsed many times how the Israel, that, that, that the Philistines have charged on Israel's land there and have called a battle. And the, the battle is set forth, the, the man, the giant Goliath, that separation between men, over nine feet tall, 150 pounds of armor, got a big mouth on him. And he's, he's swearing by his gods and he's, he's calling down the children of Israel and mocking them day by day, day and night for 40 days and 40 nights. And David, coming to check on his brothers by the command of his father, Jesse, hears this man talking and said, hey, who is this guy running his mouth? And that, that he is defying the armies of the living God. Who's going to kill him? Who's going to do something about it? And the, the people said, well, have you seen him? His brother tried to, tried to dissuade him. One, one went to one person to another person and, and the word made it back to the king so the king brought David before him and said hey who do you think you are you're just a kid he's been training since the days he was a kid and David said well don't let your heart fail king I'll go send me but well, how in the world can you go well the Lord delivered a lion and a bear into my hand and just like the lion and the bear the Lord will give me that giant send me and the king said okay tried to outfit him with his own armor and that didn't work. It didn't work at all. It didn't fit. It wasn't right. It wasn't proven. So he grabbed him five stones, one for Goliath, four for his brothers. He took his staff in the hand, his sling. He went out there to meet the giant. And last time we looked in verse 41, the Philistine came out and drew near to David. And remember, we the idea was, come on with it. Come on with it. Yeah, David went out there expecting to end the Lord, that there would be a fight. And guess what? The, the enemy met the challenge. So there they are, the two on the scene. We're going to continue in verses 42 through 44 today. That's that's as far as we'll get, verses 42 through 44. Along the way, by the way, haven't, haven't you seen, yes, well, this is a literal encounter of things that happened way long ago, but in many ways this is a battle that the children of God are facing every day in many ways. Verses 42 through 44, And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Today we're going to be examining the, the message today, the passage here, with the title, Disdained. Disdained. That word disdained, as you might guess, probably know what it means already. Let me let me refresh some of our memories. Despised or held in contempt. He saw him as vile or worthless. Picture the scene. He goes out there and it says that he looked about. It's like, okay, you, maybe he was thinking, you, you must be somebody's shield bearer, but you're not carrying a shield. Well, what's going on here? Is this some kind of ruse? He looked about. Surely this can't be the person they sent out, this vile, worthless little boy. He scorned him. He belittled him, didn't he? Disdained. Disdained. You know what? This, this giant isn't, isn't too very different from the enemies of God today. And we do have enemies. We like to think that we don't, but we do. And many times the enemy will disdain. And sometimes... The disdain comes in a backhanded flattery, you know, the, oh, giving a commendation that you're doing well at the same time trying to tear you down. Oh, I'm glad you can be so faithful in such a little little church over there. Well, isn't that, that that's a form of disdain, isn't it? That's belittling. Y'all, y'all aren't much, but I'm glad you're doing something over there. That's belittling, disdained, disdained. David was disdained on the outset based on what Goliath saw. Okay. Goliath could tell that he was a youth, and even, even King Saul said that in verse 33, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight him, for thou art but a youth. You know, sometimes disdaining can come from friends and foe alike, can it? You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You know, yeah, for this cause, for this case, you're vile, you're worthless. In this case, you're not as one of the elite. No, no. You're not, you're not here. This can't be right. Disdain. He disdained him. Many people get disdained based on their age, and it's not just youth. 
young Timothy. Remember him? Paul wrote to him and in not so many words said, Hey, look, don't let, let, it, don't let anybody give you a hard time because you're young. Right? He did. Disdain. People can, get, can be disdained for their age. There are people such as David who have great wisdom in the Lord and maybe they're very young. And then maybe there are some on the other end of the spectrum that may be disdained. Oh, your time is over. You're, you're through. You're, you know, that's nice. That might be how you did things in the old days. But this, this, is, this is a new way of doing things. And, and people sometimes, the elderly, get disdained. I know that's happening, and it has been happening through the school systems for the past several decades. Disdaining of parents, disdaining of, of the elderly, disdaining, disdained. So yes, you can be disdained, child of God, based on your youth or your uh, your, your age uh, from the enemy. You don't have what it takes. You're too young. You're too old. Appearance. He also disdains him. Look, it says that because he was ruddy. He disdains him because he's ruddy. Well, what in the world does that mean? Well, it means red, right? Red, uh, Esau had reddish hair. Imagine Esau. So not only can you be disdained because of your age, and anybody can uh, be disdained because of their age, but remember in the context, this is a guy that believed God, and he was going to fight the giant. So the enemy is finding all manner of reasons to disdain him. He disdained him because of his youth, and what goes along with youth? Well, physically developed, he was not, apparently. Reddish, ruddy or reddish, his complexion, maybe, maybe he had a slap cheek appearance. Y'all ever seen these kids? I used to be one of them. I used to take really high, heavy doses of steroids, and it always looked like somebody had slapped my cheeks, just red cheeks, almost as if they're embarrassed or they're blushed. It could be that that's how David looked. He just looked like an awkward little, little, little kid, maybe. Ruddy. You know, sometimes we get charged based on our, our appearance and how, how we show how we look, and that's, that's, that's not a godly behavior out of Goliath for sure, but sometimes being disdained based on we look. And does that hurt your feelings sometimes? If somebody comments on how, how you look, does that kind of slow you down a little bit? That's what the giant's after here. But also he called him fair. Look at that in verse 42. He disdained him for he was a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. Well, what's that mean? He was all, also handsome. He was, he was pretty. He had, had, a, had a good face to look upon, right? I heard a saying years ago, and it's it's kind of an ugly statement, but but the saying goes that you never fight an ugly woman. Right? Well, she's not she's not afraid she's not afraid to get hit, right? Well, in this battle, you have a a very well pleasing to look at young man. Apparently, he hadn't been in many fights because nobody had scarred his face, nobody had broke his nose. He, he, he looked as though he had never seen conflict. He was still pretty. He did not have the face or the countenance of a warrior. And also, he mocked him in verse number 40, 42, rather, of this, of this, uh, excuse me, verse 43, because of this stick. Remember that stick, that stave that he took with him in verse 40. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones. So that's what Goliath saw. He saw a young person that didn't deserve to be there. He saw a red-headed or reddish-looking person that had a certain awkwardness to look about him. And he also saw a fair-looking kid that had obviously never seen any true battle. He, had, he, was, not, he was not hard to the battle. He saw a person with a stick. He, here's a guy that's got a sword that must be bigger than David, perhaps. And here's a kid with a stick in his hand. You can see how, how this giant would disdain him. He's disdaining him based on what he saw. So a lot of folks can disdain. Goliath disdained David based on what he saw. And it's easy for the enemy, if they're going to disdain me, they can look at me and pick me apart and find reasons to disdain me based on what they see. I'm so glad. That God doesn't look on, on the outward but the inward. And we'll get to that. Not that there was anything good in me, but what the Lord had purposed. That, that's what he pleases in himself. No one truly can look good enough or be good enough to be accepted of God. But based on what he saw, this giant disdained David. What, what was it that the giant saw but he didn't see? You know, sometimes people can disdain can be disdained based on what a person sees but doesn't see. What does that mean? 
What he didn't know he was looking at. He was looking right at him. But what he didn't know he was looking at, he was looking at the bravest of all of Israel. How about that? You know, sometimes, well, let's, let's, no, we'll go ahead and say it. So sometimes when we're out witnessing and talking to people, you, you can be the, people can say, oh man, what an awkward person, what a terrible person, what a hateful person to be telling people to repent. What a self-righteous person, what a, what a this kind of person, what a that kind of person. They don't realize that it's the most loving of all people that would reach out to their fallen man fellows and say, repent and believe the gospel. People think John the Baptist was hard. He was one of the most loving men that ever lived. People think that Paul was rough in his letters, encouraging the receivers of those letters to trust the Lord and to do what he says. He said, I'm sorry that I made you sorrow, but I'm not sorry that it had its effect. One of the most loving people that ever lived. So sometimes what we think we see is not what we're looking at, right? They saw, he saw the bravest of all Israel. In chapter 17 and verse 10, it says, And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Verses 23 through 26. And as he, as he, David, talked with them, his brothers, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistine, and spake together with them the same words. And David heard them, and all men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel has he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake unto the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Thy servant will go up and fight with this Philistine. What this man saw but didn't see was the bravest of all Israel. You know, we don't always see what's going on, do we? We don't always see the full picture. Sometimes we can get all upset and think we see the full picture, and sometimes we don't just see the full picture. Well, surely this world, when they disdain the people of God, they don't really see what's going on, right? When men laid their hands and thought that they could bind the Lord Jesus Christ, they saw but didn't see, right? When these men, they were wagging their heads and casting their teeth and and cursing against Jesus Christ while he was being crucified, they saw but they didn't see. Thank God that one on the right, the Lord gave him sight in that hour. They didn't see, Goliath didn't see a soul that believed God. Verses 36 and 37 of chapter 17. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. A soul that believed God. You know, you know what's what's really impressive and to God be the glory is a soul that believes God. A soul that believes God. And yet there's that giant looking him right in the face, looking back and forth, looking about, disdaining him, showing him as vile or worthless disdain. You know, it's Nothing strange that the people of God would be disdained. Turn, if you would, please, to the book of Hebrews. Disdained, vile, held in contempt. We read this just a few days ago. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32. And what shall I more say? For time would... Fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David, also of Samuel and of prophets, who fought, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, 
Turn to fight the flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. Well, guess what? That, that, that's, that litany, that list, is talking about a people disdained. They were the people of God, the people that trusted God. It would not fall back from their profession of faith. Those people were disdained. Fathers nothing. Men, women, boys and girls, those trusting in God, the bravest of all men, the most loving of all mankind, those souls that believe God, it says again, of whom the world was not worthy. The messengers of God, according to the gospel. How wonderful. They, those that disdain those people in Hebrews 11 are a lot like that old giant in 1 Samuel chapter 17. They saw but didn't see. As as. Paul was being carried up those stairs. He turns to the to the to the the guard and says, "Hang on, I got one more thing to say." And he turns around and tells him, "I was just like y'all, brethren of Israel. Hear the gospel, how that Jesus Christ saved my soul, the most loving of all." But they didn't see that. Oh, they grit their teeth. Away with him, kill him. Those souls that believe God, disdain. But what he didn't see, or he didn't mention that he saw, he didn't saw a sling and five stones. He didn't see the hardiness of a young man that said, yeah, the Lord delivered the Paul the, the, Paul the lion and the Paul the bear, but I went out there and did it by the grace of God. He didn't see the, the, the drive that this young man had for the namesake of God Almighty. You know, we shouldn't judge books by their cover. We don't, we don't, we don't understand what each other are capable of. I, I would encourage you to have, as David had, I don't want you to go out and pick up five rocks, but I do want you to do all to stand, as the Apostle Paul told the church of Ephesus, to put on that armor of God and do all to stand. David, with preparedness and heart, went onto that field of battle. Goliath didn't see that. Goliath didn't see that. He didn't see a shepherd's trust. He didn't see what David, how that David trusted in the Lord. And you know, a person, again, it's a wonderful thing who God grants such a trust. You look in the Psalms. We read this when when we were looking at the shepherd's staff, but I would like to read it again. The shepherd's trust. He had that staff in hand. You come to me with a stick. David wrote in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That word is, is a continual verb. The Lord is always my shepherd. Always. Always. And continually, my shepherd is the Lord. I shall not want. I will not be lacking anything. I got a stick and five stones. It is enough. You got two swords. It is enough. You go forth... Preaching and teaching the word of God, it is enough. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still watership, waters. Leadership of rest. And leadership near the still or deep waters. You know that? Still waters run deep. You've heard that saying. Sometimes it's still water. Sometimes we can even disdain and say, oh, it's calm. It must be safe. And then, bloop, you're in the drip. No, beside those deep waters and beside even those times of calm, that, that, that heather grass, that, that, that wonderful clover bed, that, softy, that softness, that, that safety, the secureness, green pastures, the Lord is the shepherd. He restoreth my soul, it says. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I want you to catch that. Paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. He doesn't lead in paths of comfort 
for his name's sake. He doesn't lead in paths of emotional calm for his name's sake. He leads in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Many don't consider the namesake of the Lord in their living, but that's why David's there. Who's going to do something about that man that defies the armies of the living God? What are the children to do? How are we to live today in paths of righteousness for the namesake of Jesus Christ, God Almighty? We're to declare his gospel. Living in righteousness, that means we'll be uncomfortable. That means that, that some days we might just feel bad. And may, today is not today. Well, today is always the day to be led in paths of righteousness for the namesake of God Almighty. That's where David was on that field. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, that brings it real serious, doesn't it? This isn't hyperbole. This isn't exaggeration. This is the reality of mortality. Though death is here, I will fear no evil, including that big ugly giant over there. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You think David was thinking about any of this? No doubt. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That table, it's fellowship. David had fellowship with God out there. A, pre- a table prepared in the presence of that enemy that so disdained him. You can read Fox's Book of Martyrs and you hear all these people. And you can, you can read of their last statements, the fellowship they had with God as they gave testimony of their hope and trust in Jesus Christ. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Continue on heaped blessings in the face of enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then I'll die. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Security in the Lord with goodness and mercy, faithfulness, never failing. David, you know when Goliath was disdaining him, he didn't think about any of that, did he? No, he didn't. He certainly didn't. He disdained him. Thought him worthless, vile. You know, we look at this, as I've been studying through this encounter, I've been thanking God and Lord, just give me a measure of what David had in the day of conflict. Just a measure of it. For for God's glory and for His name's sake, don't worship David, worship God. Just a measure. Disdain. Have you ever been, in all sincerity, attempting to please God with your life, and be disdained, and it knock you back, knock you off. And then maybe next time, you don't even take your first step out on the battlefield because you were disdained last time. It's happened to me. It truly has. Disdain. You see Goliath's position in verses 42 and 43. And when the Philistine looked about, he saw David and disdained him. he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. For one to disdain another, they must at the same time hold themselves in their pride as superior. Okay, I can't look down on someone unless I think I'm above them. Right? And I appreciate this platform and everything. I think it's mostly so the people in the back can see, you know. But I'm not more of a person because I'm standing two feet higher than you are. This disdaining is looking down on other people. Goliath was looking down on David as though he thought himself superior to David. And he did so after looking about and seeing David. We saw that in verse 42. The Philistine looked about and saw David. The ungodly will disdain the children of God. They will. You know, and it's easy to do. Hey, your appearance, you don't look like us. You don't fit in. What a nerd. What a what a goofball. Ha ha ha. You, you, you don't you don't you don't fit in. Great. You don't look like you're appropriate to be here with us. You, it's, you, your dress isn't suitable. Your look isn't right. You're not cool. Whatever they say now. That's what they used to say when I was growing up. For their appearance 
the children of God and are often disdained. Why do, why do you why do people cover up? Well, you know, well, you know, you you women dress more like like you know, you just show everything you got. The world may say they will disdain the children of God for their appearance. And you know, sometimes the people of God do the same thing, disdaining one another for their appearance, and and we do that by by preference, just where our feet go, where our eyes go, where our minds go. But also the ungodly will, will disdain the children of God for their way of living. Hey, you want to go watch this new movie that came out? No, I looked at the, the, the rating on it, and it has all these bad words and nakedness and all this kind of stuff. I don't want to be there. Oh, come on. Say what you want. I ain't in. Their way of living. Calling those who desire godly living as even self-righteous. You ever, you ever heard that before? No, I don't do that. I, 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 I will not do that. I will not fall into those types of behavior. Goliath was mocking David for his shepherd's rod, his way of living, wasn't he? Oh, yes, you're self-righteous. Oh, yeah, you think you're holier than thou. Oh, yeah, what an attitude. Some may disdain the children of God. Look, if you would, please, in 1 John. The people who say such things are antinomian. They believe that because of grace that there is no law. It doesn't bother me a whole lot when an antinomian calls me self-righteous. 1 John chapter 3, verses 3-7. through 7. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So it's okay. It's okay to me if someone says... That for because of the work that God has done in me, that, that they, oh yeah, you, you don't fit in with the world, that's okay. I, I, we, as pe- the people of God, we had a desire to purify ourselves even as we are made pure in the gospel. Whoso committeth sin transgresseth the law, for the sin, for sin is the transgression of the law. That content, committeth sin is continuing in sin, behaving as the world. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Yes, he took away my sin in the mind of God in eternity. He did. But also, that taking away of my sins should have a practical application in my life. The things I used to do, I shouldn't like to do anymore. The things that I used to disdain, I now love. The things that I used to love, I should now, with great remorse and repentance, call upon the Lord. Whoso abideth in him, the Lord, sinneth not, or does not continue in those things. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him, but those same ones that have not known him or seen him disdain the people of God. They do. They disdain the people of God and how they look and how they behave and their their friendships and and their, their movements of behavior. In their free time, what do you do? Oh, you, oh man! You got to give up every every you know, Saturday once a month. Well, what kind of jerks would make you give up a Saturday to go stand on the, on the side of the road? Again, the the bravest and most loving of all people yeah. would encourage you to do that. Sometimes they can't even make up a reason without a cause. We're getting to that. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting to that. For the way of living, God's people have this problem. And Samuel did too. Look back in chapter 16. Chapter 16, as Samuel had come to for the, for, to anoint a new king in, in King Saul's stead, and it came to pass, verse 6, when they were come, that he, Saul, looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointing is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh upon the heart. Verse 11, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Hear all thy children. And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, and we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and, a goodly, and goodly to look upon. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. So Saul, you know, Samuel had the same, same problem. Oh yes, I will prefer this big strong man, look good to look on, 
You mean this youngest one over here? Well, he anointed him because the Lord told him to. But the Lord confirms there in the verse, I don't see things the way you see things. You see things from a superior fleshly point of view, and God sees things from a God-honoring point of view, you see. So the people of God have this problem as well, not just not just Goliath. Look at, if you would, in Proverbs. Look into the Proverbs in chapter 17. Disdaining, thinking vile, worthless, showing contempt. Chapter 17, Proverbs 17, verse 5. Whoso mocketh the poor reproacheth his maker. And he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. The poor, yes, you can think in a monetary sense, poor. But that word poor means lacking or in need of something or anything. Okay, mocking the poor. Now, I've, I've heard even, believe it or not, preachers doing this kind of stuff. Disdaining someone because of this or that or the other, disdaining them because maybe we, uh, you know, we think that I understand something better than someone else does, and and who are they to talk to me in such a way? And that kind of, we're human beings. Disdaining human beings are prone to disdaining, aren't they? But that doesn't just happen among preachers. Have you ever caught yourself mocking the unsaved? Like how how could somebody possibly believe that? Well, you did until the Lord saved you. You believed you could save yourself until the Lord showed you otherwise. For their lack of faith, one may mock the unsaved. No, just as much as I shouldn't mock my dog for being a dog, I should not mock an unsaved person for being an unsaved person. I shouldn't disdain them. For their lifestyle, I can totally disagree with their lifestyle, but that's how the unsaved live. For their deadness, do you go out to the grave and and disdain the dead for being dead? That doesn't make sense, and it's certainly not a loving attitude. Even mocking the saved. Uh, look look in, in Philippians chapter two. You know, just standing one another. It's it, it's a it's a hard reality that really human beings love to prefer themselves, and in preferring themselves, they must cast others down many times. Philippians chapter two. Verses 2 and 3, he said, Fulfill ye my joy, and be ye like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Why did he tell them this? Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Strife, electioneering, fractionness, partisanship, preferring themselves, or vain glory, self-esteem, conceitedness, self-promotion. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. He's writing to an assembly of believers here. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Don't disdain others, he's saying. Their appearance and abilities aren't as good as mine. You ever thought about that? That person's appearance and abilities, they're not as good as mine. That's what Goliath is saying. His appearance and abilities aren't as good as mine. Am I a dog? Look, if you would, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. I therefore, verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. So that is a command to every member of the church of Ephesus. That's also a command to every member of the Sovereign Grace Church of Silsby, Texas. That's right. That you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. Guess what? We're made up of different people. We all have we're different ages, different sizes, different, uh, different abilities, different ways of, of thinking. And that doesn't mean everything that we think is right, but we look at the same thing from different points of view. We're just different people, right? But we are all, each, where we are, commanded, beseeched, that we walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. With all lowliness and meekness. Well, that's the opposite of disdaining, right? With long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, putting up with each other. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace. You're all different, now be the same, unified. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one one authority, one, one oneness here. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. Verse 7. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure 
of the gift of Christ. Every one of us has a different ability. All are saved according to the gift of Christ here, but we all receive other talents and which, which the Lord gives and grants, right? Just as the church of Ephesus. So while some of us have one ability and some of us have a different ability and everybody has a different function as a different part of this body, there should be no disdaining among us, but a dependence on one another. Think about it. Your heart doesn't disdain your liver. It depends on it. Your liver doesn't disdain your heart. It depends on it, right? Cut a piece of your, of your, of your flesh away and see how much you depend on it. So there should be no disdaining within the Lord's people. But sadly, in many, many crises in the Lord crises in the Lord's assemblies come from some disdaining others. So just as much as Goliath disdained David, and he did so based on what he saw and what he saw but really didn't see, and even things he didn't see, Goliath's position he declares a disdain and a superiority to David. And he declares that saying uh, that he holds him of low regard, but also Samuel had a piece of that as well. So children of God, desire not to disdain. Go out of your way not to disdain one another. Realize, realize, wise counsel, that even as the prophet Samuel was prone to elevate one and disdain the other, and God corrected him and said, no, that's the one, that every one of us could be corrected in disdaining. Do not disdain one another. See as God sees. His question here, also Goliath's position, he says, am I a dog? In verse 43, am I a dog? We resource the name calling. You know, people disdaining. You ever heard somebody, when they don't have an argument, they just start calling people names? You ever heard that before? That's not a new trick. Name calling. As You know, in this... Calling himself a dog, it could mean a bunch of different things. As though a dog of any sort would be corrected by a beating with a staff. If you're coming to me with this, this staff, if you're going to correct me, you're going, to, you're going to chasten me with that stick, he's saying. Well, you know, it could mean a dog, woof, woof, canine, could, could mean that. Or it could be a, a person just to be held in contempt. Are, are you contempting me? Well, I'm contempting you for contempting me, he could be, he's saying. But also in those days, they called people dogs who were uh, male prostitutes of, of, the, of the pagan temples. And it was common throughout, throughout Philistine. So in either case, are, are you bringing that stick out here to whip me, David? Goliath was easily offended, wasn't he? You know, if David really wasn't much to consider, if he truly was a person on the field of battle to be disdained, why was Goliath so mad? You know, if there really is no such thing as, as God and the Lord Jesus Christ, why do the atheists get so mad and disdain those that, that hold the faith? They don't do that with Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. Why do they get so mad? Why do people get so easily offended? Why was, why was Goliath? If this, if this boy, if he was going to make short order of this boy, he should have just let it go and done away with him instead of making a big scene, humanly speaking. Goliath was easily offended. He literally was begging for a fight for 40 days. And now that he got his fight, he was offended by it. That's kind of an ugly position, isn't it? Years ago, we, we were at the little place in, in Baton Rouge, Blue Bayou, and I had advertised that, that a, certain, a certain guy was going to be there um, with his band. And... So we thought, nah, there's no way. So we were at this little park, and we, we were there, and this, when he came out, there was maybe, what, Joe, 50 people there? And he came out, and he disdained us. He was like, oh, man, you know, only, only playing music for 50 people or so. He disdained, he thought little of us. Like, like who am I that only these people, are, are you saying that I'm nobody because these, these just few nobodies came out here to, to, to listen to us perform? He, he programmed himself out to be there, and then he's going to be upset about who showed up and who didn't. I went to school with a young man, and he, all along the way, up until about the third grade, he made all A's. Well, this particular time, he made all A's and all B's, which is a, a big deal for a lot of people, but he was used to making A's. So when they handed him a little certificate, A, B, honor, all, he snatched it out of the hand and went back to his seat. He disdained the teacher and the piece of paper. Disdained. He was offended. He was offended by it, easily offended. 
Did David really call call uh, Goliath a dog? It's Brother Adam had mentioned sometimes people make stuff up. He says, am I a dog? Read in there, find anywhere that David called Goliath a dog. Is it there? It's not there. And Goliath's pride, he just started making stuff up. Sometimes when we disdain people and look down on them, just like Goliath did, when we look down on people, we can start making stuff up and, and things that really didn't happen. We can start think, telling ourselves those things happen. Some people, they retrofit. You know what that means, retrofit? So we're here and we're now, if we wanted to go over to Europe and, and live over there, it would be cheaper to, to, to send our own automobile over there and spend $2,000 or so and retrofit it than to buy a new vehicle, vehicle over there. They have different emission standards. They have different standards for what the taillights have to have. You're spending that money to make it fit the new environment. Some people retrofit in their minds. Well, I disdain that person, so now let me go back and think of everything that's ever happened and f- make it fit a reason why I can disdain that person. Does that make sense? Oh, Lexington, he's a jerk. Well, let me go back and think of all the things, all the interactions I've had with Lexington that prove to my mind that he is a jerk. Start making stuff up even. That's what Goliath did. (laughs) Well, you calling me a dog? No, I didn't call you a dog. Goliath's pride, he started making stuff up. Disdain. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever done this? Have I ever done this? I've done this before. Have you ever done that? You just think of someone and, and looking down on them and you just start making stuff up and then you think, oh, that didn't happen. Or somebody else say, that's, that's not what happened. I was there. That's not what happened. In a conflict and out of pride, just start making things up. That's what Goliath did. He's begging for this fight for 40 days and here it is. And now he starts making stuff up. Some athletes and competitors will do this. Uh, one basketball player, he used to just make stuff up against his his his, his opponents, and it would give him a, a he said a drive uh, to play basketball and beat them and different things. He would, he would make up reasons that he would not like person people so he could play better. He would say, "Well, that's evil." Some Christians will make up events, motives, sides, and even take the Bible out of context and retrofit it so they can properly disdain other people. And it's just as ungodly when we do it as when Goliath did it. Goliath, it was horrible. Am I a dog? Well, are you making stuff up, Goliath? Seems like you are. Disdaining. What else about Goliath and disdaining? You know he did it from a as a religious man? You ever can has anybody in this study you ever you ever know you ever just thought, Oh Goliath, what a religious man. You ever, have you thought that yet? Okay, look at verse forty three again. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. This Philistine's a religious man. Oh, he's religious? Well, they should just sit down and and live in unity and harmony, right? They should should sit down and compare how one's deity is the same as the other deity, and they're they're going to the same place anyway, so why not sit down and be friends? Why not call a truce? Cursing David by his gods, primarily by Dagon. Look over in in First uh, Samuel chapter five. First Samuel chapter five, verse one. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, their capital. And the Philistines took the ark of God. They brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place. Again, set him back up. And when they rose up early on the, on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was, was left to him. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. He called upon his gods, cursing David, cursing him. Principally, there were other gods, but principally he called upon Dagon. And cursing, he desired great evil upon him. So, so it hadn't been that long ago. Goliath should have remembered what happened in the days of, of Ashdod, just just a few chapters back. He should have remembered that, but 
still religious, he called upon his gods. Cursing, he desired great evil upon David. He, Goliath was devoted to Dagon, and Goliath was going to sacrifice David to Dagon, his god. And that cursing, he's saying, this evil will come upon him, and you will be given over to these gods. Among others, Dagon is a god, hold on to yourselves, that is worshipped through Catholicism today. Yep. There, okay, I don't know if you have seen it or not, you know, the, the Pope, he wears this big hat. You turn him sideways, it looks like a fish's mouth. You pull up a picture of Dagon, and he is a priest of Dagon. That's what he is. He's wearing a ring that has Dagon on it, a priest of Dagon. So these people who are super religious, calling upon their gods and disdaining the people of God throughout the centuries are no different than old Goliath. No different at all. Very religious. Ah, brother, that's that's a stretch. Okay. Revelation chapter 17, please. Revelation chapter 17. You tell me who this is describing, if not those that call upon their gods, disdaining the people of God throughout time. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters with whom the, the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine and for fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a, a, a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her head was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. Who could this be but the priests of Dagon? And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints. Well, why would this woman kill the people of God? Because she disdained them. In her religion, she disdains them with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman, of the beast that carried her, which hath seven heads and ten horns. And the beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. That's the Antichrist. And shall go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wander, whose names were not written in the book of life. From the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not, and yet is. And here is the mind of which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. That is Rome. Yeah. So, boy, that's a stretch. Going from Goliath calling upon his gods to Rome, is it? Does that woman full of, uh, of abominations and cursings, the mother of harlots, that the blood of the children of God has been shed for the past 2,000 years? That these people of God have been disdained by this entity calling upon their gods, principally Dagon? Is that much of a stretch? Disdained? You think about all these little factions and harlot daughters that have come off the great whore? Tell them about church authority and see how quickly they disdain you. Tell them of the true gospel, the free grace of Jesus Christ, and tell, tell and let them and hear how quickly they disdain. Tell them how it's not by baptism, but by grace you are saved through faith, and not not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And see how quickly you are disdained by those that are religious. Yes, he disdained David, and he was religious in his efforts in doing so. The religiously unsaved have been calling upon their gods. For a good long while, disdaining the people of God. You know what an idol is, right? It's a false representation of deity. Why did Cain slay Abel? Because he was exposed that his deeds were evil. That's what it says in 1 John. But wasn't he bringing these, he brought his cornucopia of goods to a God that he perceived in his own mind, but yet that's not who God is. God didn't want to desire the fruits of, of Cain's hand. He he desired the, that, that, that sacrifice that still speaks, that blood sacrifice. Don't confuse the enemies of God. 
just because someone is religious and they pray. Please don't confuse that. Look, in Luke chapter 18, there's a, there's a man that entered into the temple and prayed and said, Lord, thank God I'm not like that guy just staining him, right? I do this and I do this and I'm very religious, but it says he prayed within himself. But I want you to look at the verses that were just before that man praying in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Oh, yes, very religious. Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Wow. You know, the religiously unsaved really haven't changed ever, have they? They despise others. They trust in themselves. And in despising others, they get angry and offended and want to kill them. That's what Cain did. That's what Goliath did. That's what the great whore and her harlot daughters have done. That's what these religious elite did to the Lord Jesus Christ. They found occasion to slay him. He laid down his life. Don't make no mistake. But they, they, they sought to bind him and to crucify him. By wicked hands, it says in Acts chapter 2, by wicked hands they crucified and slayed him. So don't be confused. If the enemies of God are found to be religious and praying, he called upon his gods. Also, he was confident, verse 44. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Confident. Evenly speaking, though, Goliath had pretty good reason to be confident, didn't he? I mean, goodness, nine feet tall, facing a little boy. His confidence came from himself. I mean, he had the size, he had experience, he was a warrior. His confidence came from his false gods. That's why he was cursing David by his gods. He trusted in Dagon and the others. His confidence came from his lineage in chapter 17 and verse 8. And he stood and cried unto the armies and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I not a Philistine? And ye servants to Saul, choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. We're going through an issue right now in our country that there's a guy that thinks he is somebody because his daddy is the president of the United States. Well, he, he, I'm a Biden. You can't do this to me. I'm a Philistine. Who do you think you are? Looking down on him. He's confident because he was a Philistine. Having a disdain toward the people of God because you think you are somebody by, by lineage or right or whatever, that's nothing to stand on. We all go back to Adam, and Adam fell. By Adam, death passed upon all men. We're all a bunch of nobodies by birth. He was going to feed David's body to the wild animals, a sacrifice unto his gods. Satan and men think that in their confidence they, they can rise up against God. Luke chapter 19 and verse 14. But the citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, We will not have this man reign over us. In Revelation chapter 20, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. And when he's loosed, he'll go out for a season. And he'll get all the people of the earth and he'll rise up against the Lord. And the Lord's going to firebomb him out of heaven. But in that day, they'll have their confidence and their disdain toward even God that they can be like the Most High. The confidence of the ungodly giant here. Again, just looking at the circumstances, you think, yeah, that's a, that's a. It was very dangerous that day for David, but it wasn't dangerous at all. The God who holds the sun in its place was on the battlefield that day with David and would deliver him. The evil and the proud-hearted have confidence against the Lord and against the Lord's people. They disdain him. That wicked woman we read about in Revelation 17 has had confidence in her religion against the people of God, disdaining them, against God himself, disdaining him. Humanly speaking, David had pretty good reason to be afraid, didn't he? If you're on the battlefield, you ever been in a real fight? I mean a real fight? It'd be easy to be afraid, especially outnumbered. If he was looking to himself, he would have every right to be afraid. But he had confidence. Look, again, verse 42 of our passage. The Philistine looked about and saw David. He disdained him. Humanly speaking, he, he was, it was right to disdain him. 
But having confidence in God, again, verses 36 and 37, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. We talked about faith files when we went through that. Don't you think David had faith files before he went out under the lion and the bear? When Israel came out of Egypt, they went to Sion first, didn't they? Then to Og. Why was that? Well, Sion was, if you look at the kind of people Sion were, they were a lesser opponent. Og, they, uh, Og he, he had a giant bed, right? They, we're, we're dealing with big people here. God prepares the people, of uh, his people, for every day. So there was a file there to, to, for, to prepare them for that day of battle. David, David was prepared by the Lord to go after the lion and the bear, and he, the Lord used the lion and the bear to prepare him to go fight that giant. That servant slew the lion and the bear, and the uncircumcised Philistines shall fall as one of them, seeing that he had defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Not this young, ruddy, good-looking kid. The Lord will do it. I got my rocks, I got my sling, I got my staff. The Lord will do it. Would any amount of disdaining, did this disdaining persuade David to flee? Verse 45, we'll just read until the comma. Then said David to the Philistine. It wasn't like some of these cartoons where you just see a dust outline and David taken off to the hills. David is engaging, right? So, child of God, being disdained, being disdained, maintain that attitude in the Lord. Come on with it. Yes, you're right. I am young. Yes, you're right. I'm small. Yes, you're right. I'm ruddy. Yes, you're right. Whatever. Yeah, it is a stick, sure enough. But you don't see. You don't see everything. You don't see that hope that lies within me. You don't see that promise from the last chapter where the Lord anointed me to be king of Israel. You don't see that promise out of Genesis chapter 17 concerning circumcision. You don't see that. Child of God, don't be upset about being disdained. Now, if you're you're behaving in an ungodly way and you look down upon because uh, you're in in your, I'm going to say the word stupidity and living in the flesh and, and the world around just says, oh man, what a knucklehead. Well, you can't say it's a godly thing. That's not a godly thing. But trusting the Lord and doing what he says, you will be disdained by this present world. You certainly won't fit in with it. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said in, in Matthew chapter, uh, John rather, chapter 15. Look at it. John chapter 15. Verse 18. 15 verse 18. If the world hate you, the world disdain you, you know that it hated me, disdained me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated you. Disdain. A child of God, trusting the Lord and doing what he says, will be disdained in this life. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, if they disdain him, they will also persecute, they will disdain you. If they have kept my saying, if they agree with him, then they will keep yours. They will keep ours also. It should be a strange thing, then, if we're not disdained. Don't be upset about it. Don't be upset about it. Expect it. With an attitude of, come on with it, trust the Lord. Again, trusting him. The same God that delivered David out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear and out of the paw of the Philistine. That's the same God that we serve. With an attitude of come on with it. Don't get punked out by a disdaining giant. Don't be, don't be rattled by disdaining words. Don't be upset when there are lies and exaggeration of truth, which are also lies. Don't get upset about uh, people being easily offended. We, well, no, you can't say that. you got, you got to ease it down a little bit. I had a guy tell me that about our son. It says repent out there. No, you got to make it more inviting. you, you got to ease it down. Don't be upset when things are exaggerated. Don't, if somebody says y'all are a bunch of hateful people, well, I know differently. Don't be upset about that stuff. Trust the Lord. He, he has brought victory in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and in that, Christ himself was disdained. And the people of God are disdained. And that's quite all right. One thing that I do know 
is that while men and enemies and adversaries and Satan himself will disdain the people of God, in the mind of God Almighty in Jesus Christ, he sees me as he sees his own son. Whatever you think about Jesus Christ in your mind, you got to know and believe that the Father holds him in much higher regard than we ever can in this life. So if the Father sees me in such a way that is incomprehensible to me, surely he doesn't look down on me. Does that make sense? And yes, I am poor and needy, yet he thinketh upon me. That's what the psalmist wrote. But in him thinking upon me, he has called me as a child of God. First John. Is this, is this the Lord disdaining people? Look in, in First John. In verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Does God disdain His people? Not even remotely. Behold what manner of love. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. When he had taken the book of the four and uh, taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. And has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on earth. Does God disdain his people? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ, for his people, was counted as vile before God. Being judged of God the Father. And satisfied God's wrath. Thank God. You know, God would have every right to see every form of human flesh as that vile lump. Every one of us. He would be right to disdain and judge us forever. The love of God. The love of God calls us to his side. Won't manner of love. Sinner, you're just like Goliath. You move based on what you see. You don't see what you do see, and you don't see quite a bit. There's a lot going on. There's a lot being said. You just, you just don't get it. And that's where Goliath was. You're overcome with pride. And I know that because I was overcome with pride. You disdain the Lord and the people of God, else you would desire to, to flee unto Christ for refuge and desire to be numbered among his people. No, you disdain them. No, no it's, eh. you're easily offended. I know I was easily offended for the Lord saved me. I want to get out of here and never come back. Not here, but uh, another church. I want to leave and never come back. I was offended uh, easily. I started to make stuff up. Oh, he said that. And he, he looked at me when he said that, or he looked in my general direction, so he must have purposed that for me. Oh, how, how horrible that is. And then just start making stuff up. I, I did that. You may be even religious. He was calling upon his gods in wickedness with idolatry, a false presentation of deity. You might think yourself so religious. And in all, you're confident in your position of perceived victory. I will give you. You're going to get yours, buddy. I'll feed your body to the wild animals. You'll see one day that I'm right. And you're wrong, you might be thinking. As you read further, Goliath literally lost his head and his life with his position. You maintain your position, sinner, of disdaining the Lord and his people and his word and his promises. You will lift up your eyes one day in torment. Held in the fires of hell... Until such a time, if you think about it, jail is, 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 is kind of equivalent to hell. You're, people are held in jail, and then they're brought before a judge, and then they're sentenced, then they go to prison. Hell is, can be likened unto a holding place of torment. Until such a time, the unbeliever is brought 
to sentencing before the great white throne, Jesus Christ himself, and cast alive in the lake of fire throughout all eternity, without reprieve, without reprieve, without, without easing at all. Disdaining God, you shall be cast into outer darkness. I advise you, by the word of God, to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Be saved from yourself. Again, to disdain someone, you think yourself superior. Look into the perfect law of liberty. Look into the word of God and see what manner of man you truly are. Repent. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord bless the preaching of his word.